You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Please turn to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 2, Ephesians happened to be in the New Testament. Okay? Right smack in between Galatians and Philippians. Okay? These are the smaller letters of Paul. Okay? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. My code name for this is Gentiles Eat Pork Chop. Okay? Madaling yan, Okay? And we are in the E part. Ephesians. Would you kindly stand up? Uh, and uh, we're going to be reading from verse 4. To verse 10. But God, everybody say, but God. Being rich in mercy, because of the great love which with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. Everybody say, by grace. By grace. You have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For by grace, can we all read this out loud? Verse 8, 1, 2, 3, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's continue reading to verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together. We give reverence to your word, and I pray that you would use this word to change us uh, from the inside out, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. How many of you know that this verses that you have just read, this is good news? This is good news. And, you know, we see that this is really the work of God in our lives. Yes, we want to do good works, but apart from God doing His great work in the cross, we cannot do the good work that He has called us to do. Amen. But for us to be able to somehow appreciate the good news, we need to look first at the bad news. How many of you know that there used to be bad news? Okay? And the bad news is in verse 1, it says, And you were dead. If you are now a Christian, this was somehow the nature that we had before we've known Christ. We used to be dead. Notice the, the past tense. You were dead. Hindi nakalagito. You are dead. Now, if you are still dead, there's a problem here. But it's this, this past tense. The bad news happened in the past. And so it's a declaration that, you know, Paul started writing about the nature that we had before Christ. You and I were dead in the what? In the trespasses and sins. You know, we did not really need a doctor for healing. You know, it's not, it's more than just a condition that we've had before. You know, when you talk about sin, you know, dead people are desensitized already to sin. Have you ever been to a funeral and saw someone who died? You know, what do you notice with a person who is dead? He's no longer moving. In fact, he's no longer feeling anything. The description of the Bible 
that before we were in Christ, we used to be dead. Yes, we needed the, you know, healing you know, from, from, from our sickness. In fact, Jesus said, I came here not for the, those who are well, but for those who are sick. But yet, if you look at the condition of our life, it's more than just sickness that we were suffering from. It's more than just a condition. It's more than just an addiction. It's more than just, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction or, or sexual perversion. We were dead in our sins. That was a problem. You and I were dead. Dead people do not need doctors. They need a savior. They need someone who will resurrect them from the dead. They need someone. They need a redeemer who would rescue them from their state of deadness. And only Jesus Christ can do that. Amen. Only the one who also died and who was buried and who was raised from the dead can raise us up from our deadness. Amen. And this is the bad news. I hope that you will appreciate the fact that you and I used to be dead in our sins. That was a description the Apostle Paul used. And he did not end there. In which you once walked. We were like walking dead. Right? I'm not going to show any picture, okay? It's, it's okay. So we're like walking dead. You know, walking... Have you ever seen um, a zombie movie? You know, they, they, they walk, but they don't have any emotion. They just do... You know, things, they, you know, if they see someone who's like seemingly alive, they go after that and then bite. Somehow that's, that's how it was. And we, we bring people into our deadness. Once, uh, you know, we, in which once we walk, following the course of this world, following who? The prince of the power of the air. In fact, we used to be followers of the devil. You may not agree with me on that. We were followers of of the devil. Simply put, that's a description of the Apostle Paul. But pastor, I used to be good. Really? I mean, I thought I was religious when I was a young boy. But the Bible says, we once walked this path and the course of the world is to follow the prince of the power of the air. And that is the devil, that's Satan himself. And it doesn't matter what kind of degree of criminality or sin you've committed. Maybe you are one who couldn't even, you know, kill a cockroach. But yet the Bible says that we were dead in our sins. Maybe it's not about you murdering someone. Maybe it's about you and your pride. All of us are in this thing. We're in the highway to hell, going down there before the Lord found us. The spirit that is now at work in the sun's and daughters of what? Disobedience. Disobedience was so natural to us before. In fact, before you know, I was saved, I'm not really tempted. I just did it. It's automatic. It's by nature what I was, you know, programmed to do because of my nature of sin until Jesus Christ came in and gave me a new life. We all lived like this before, among whom once we lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So, 
you know, the description that the Apostle Paul, he did not stop in just, you know, saying that you and I were dead. He was describing that we are all walking dead and we're all disobedient and we're all following the devil and that we're all filled with the passion of the flesh. All we want was the me, my, mind mentality. It's so selfish and it's so perverted. We were by nature children of wrath. In another translation, it says they're objects of wrath. It's kind of like, you know, you and I have a big bullseye and waiting to be judged by God. But how many of you praise God that God has been patient with you and me? Like the rest of mankind, we had a sinful and selfish nature before. That was the bad news. In fact, the description that you and I have before is we were dead, everybody dead, we were disobedient, and we were doomed. That was our condition without God in our lives. But yet, how can we be good? How can we do good? And why do we do good before? Pastor, I think because there's something good in me. You know, the Bible says there's nothing good. There's no one good, not even one. We're incapable of doing anything good. In fact, maybe the reason why we do good before is because of selfish intentions. And I wanted to submit to you, maybe because there's a payback. Maybe because there's some strings attached, what's in it for me. I can, you know, do good because I feel good. There's a good connection. Maybe you're helping, you know, someone who's going to be influential or it just simply makes you feel good. And you do good because it makes you feel good. How many of you know that is still selfish? Because the motive is still me and mine. We were dead in sins. And our good works were also considered dead works. These are not considered good works. Ultimately, they are dead works. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Basically, the reason why we do good is I feel good. The act can be selfless, but the motive can be very selfish. We're really incapable of doing anything good apart from what Christ has done for us. We are all sinners in need of redemption. There is no absolute chance for us to be good, but praise be to God that verse 4 was written after verse 3. Because you and I know that we all have a good God. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise for that? And I'm just so glad that these two words came after the description of the bad news. But God. Everybody say, but God. You know, Paul wrote and described our nature and he actually made a pause in the middle of his description. And, you know, after saying, you're dead, you're walking, you know, in darkness, you're followers of the devil, you're sons of disobedience, you're objects of wrath. But God, in the middle of his writing, he actually inserted these two words, but God. What a transition in his statement. When he said, but God, one of the most important two words in the scriptures whose ramification is really incomprehensible. 
after describing our nature, you know, of, of wrath, of deadness, of doom and destruction and disobedience, yet these two wonderful words came. But God, He did not let us stay where we were. In verse 4, we read, But God, everybody say, But God again. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. God is an amazing God. He does not want anyone to go into destruction. Does not want anyone to come to perdition or to perish, but for everyone to come into everlasting life. God, rich in mercy, talks about His great mercy. Mercy is not getting what you and I deserve. And we talked about this. Mercy is, you know, if you are guilty and you're pleading guilty and you're asking for mercy, mercy is not getting the sentence which was actually put down on you. That is mercy. We used to be dead. We're on a highway to hell. We're just waiting for the, you know, for the carrying of the sentence, so to speak. But yet, in His great mercy, He did not allow us to die in the, in the middle of our sins. Amen. We got something that we did not deserve, and that is grace. God's great love has been shown to us in the person of Jesus Christ. We all are grateful because of this good God that we serve. Secondly, we received some good news. Everybody say good news. How many of you would like to hear good news instead of bad news in the morning? Unfortunately, many times what we do is we open up our news, cable, television, or maybe open your Facebook. Before you open your Facebook, we read the bad news first before we read the good news. But really, the Apostle Paul is talking about you and I have received a good news. You can only appreciate the good news when you understand the bad news. In fact, if the bad news is better, the good news becomes better. Isn't it? That's the nature of good news. If you realize where you and I came from and what our conditions were, then talking about the good news now really becomes the best news. It's kind of like a doctor going to tell a patient about his condition. You know, the patient went to the clinic and the doctor says, I have some good news and some bad news. So the patient asks, so, so what's the good news? You have 24 hours to live. Is that good news? Seems like bad news to me. What's the bad news? I was trying to call you yesterday, but I could not contact you. It's kind of like, you know, this German officer in a German concentration camp that once, you know, in the middle of like, let's say for example, Auschwitz, you know, for, after many, many months of not changing, he stands up one day, he said, Today, I deliver to you a good news and the bad news. Which do you like the first? So they were just saying, give me the good news. So they, the, everybody, the, all the prisoners of war saying, good news, good news. Today you get to change your clothes. And they were all rejoicing. Woo! That's the good news. What's the bad news? You change with you, and you change with you, and you change with the you, 
when you change the view? Anyway, so, anyway. Good news and bad news. We appreciate the good news if we know what is the bad news. In verse 5, it says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, in the middle of our deadness. Can you imagine that? In the middle of your sins, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you and I have been saved. Praise God. That's the great news. Something that you and I don't deserve. You know, as I'm preparing for this message, really I could not just comprehend the fact that God has called me to be a pastor. If you just know my background, I have a classmate that's coming here in the 3 o'clock service. And she knows my past. And I was wondering, doesn't she get stumbled if he sees Ariel preaching the gospel right in front? It talks about the grace of God. Nothing that you and I work for, nothing that you and I deserve. I stand here in front of you simply because of the great love and mercy and the grace of God. And we, every single day, I'm just amazed about God's grace that He lavishes on us. You know, your pastors and your staff are not perfect people. We commit mistakes. We are like normal people just like everyone else. But how can this great God entrust us with such a great work of preaching the gospel? And I believe that is in the same way being extended to all of you, all of us here today. If you can't appreciate the grace of God, that maybe you have not realized how much God has forgiven us. We have to come to the point that when we wake up in the morning, we say, God, nothing that I deserve. It's all about you. It's not about me. And the only way that I can actually give love to others and give love to my wife and give love to my children and give love to the church is simply because you have loved me first. It's because of your great love. You know, many times human love is like a well that runs dry. You know, you can actually do good things and you can do good works and you can help the poor and you can help people and you can actually do a lot of stuff. But how many of you know that without God's sovereign and great love that you're drawing from, you're going to run out? It's limited. Our love, it's, it's limited. We just celebrated our 27th anniversary last Friday. And, you know, I praise God for His grace upon my wife to put up with me for the past 27 years. You know, it's, it's just amazing how you can walk with someone that is totally opposite of you. Different desires and different preferences. I mean, you talk about difference. You know, she's the youngest of 11 coming from a Chinese home. I'm the eldest of three coming from a Pinoy home. You know, we got married 27 years ago. 
We have different preferences when it comes to chicken parts. I like the thigh. She likes the white meat. And so that's good for us, right? Because, you know, when we get a whole chicken, you take the upper half, I take the bottom half. But yet, when you talk about the difference in the culture, really, you can definitely get tired because of selfishness, pride. But it's only by grace that we can actually go and give our love to one another. In the same way, how can we also draw this love from God so that we can actually help people outside so that we can be a blessing to others. God made us alive and alive people do good. Dead people do, try to do good and it's all about dead works. We've received good news and God has made us alive in Christ. In fact, this is similar to you know what uh, you know, you find in Luke 15, the, the, the story of the prodigal son. And the father said, for this, my son was dead and he is now alive again. And we were dead before and we were made alive in Christ and we're now called to do good works. In verse 6, it says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. In Christ, you saw that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches. Everybody say, immeasurable. Have you ever... You know, when you read the Bible, you've got to pause for a while and understand what that means. And when this verse says immeasurable riches, do you actually understand what that is? I mean, we work, you know, we're working, we're saving up, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, make sure that we have enough savings to live an inheritance for our children's children. And that's great. A righteous man lives an inheritance for his children. That's, you know, that's biblical. But that when you talk about the life after this life, you and I are enjoying 70, 80, 90 years here on earth, but the life after this life is going to be our best life ever. The immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ has been given to us in this life, and we will also see that in the afterlife. For you know by grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, yet for our sake, or for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. And this happened in the cross, divine exchange, when Jesus Christ, who is a rich God, chose poverty so that you and I can be made rich in his presence. Verse 8 of second, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. I mean, you can do all the good works that you can, but you can never be saved by doing good works. And I know I'm talking to the choir here, but maybe there's like a visitor here. And maybe the mindset is we earn our salvation. We can never earn our salvation. The Bible says it is a gift. When you celebrate a birthday and someone gives you a gift to you, Get your wallet and ask, how much is this gift? Can I pay you back? It's interesting when I gave my wife uh, some bouquet of roses the other day. She was asking, you know, love, 
this used to be my business uh, before years ago, you know, and I used to decorate flowers. I'm just wondering, how much is this? <laughs> Never said the price. <laughs> it's a gift. When you receive a gift, all you've got to do is just say thank you. And that is the gift of salvation that God has given you and I. Amen. Come on now. Can we give the Lord praise? It's a gift. It is not something that we worked for. It's interesting, so that no one may boast. Can you imagine? If you and I got saved because of the good works that we did, heaven's going to be a noisy place. You know why? Because we're going to go up there and brag about what we have done here on earth. You know why I got saved? I gave money to the building fund. You know why I got saved? Because I helped real life. You know why I got saved? Because I actually led not just one victory group, but five victory groups. You know why I got saved? Because I attended not just the 11 o'clock service, but the 9-11-1-3-5-7. And not only in one location in Nakasha, Festival Mall, even Las Piñas. You know, can you imagine? Heaven's going to be a noisy place. If it's about our works... But it's all by grace, not by works, so that you and I will never boast about it. There's only one person in heaven that will be glorified, and his name is Jesus. Come on now. He deserves all the praise. Let's move on. The good news leads us to do good works. And this is my last and final point. We are called to do good works. You and I cannot just say we're Christians and do nothing. Are we here this morning? You know, Christianity back in the first century was so attractional to the Roman Empire because out of the 120 people in the upper room that were left behind when Jesus Christ ascended to heaven from earth, these 120 people started, you know, after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you read this in the book of Acts, started going out and sharing the good news of Jesus and the love that He's asking them to show to one another. And the Roman Empire somehow are just amazed because you know, if there's like a calamity here, it's going to be the Christians who will be left behind helping one another or helping those who are in disasters while the others are running away. You know, if there's a group of people who are, you know, people who are in who have integrity and people who are who are people of character, these are the Christians. And they were watching, and so the people are starting to, you know, preach and share and, you know, share the love of God. And more and more people are getting saved because of the good works that they see because it all emanated from the good news that they received from the good God who was merciful and full of grace. We cannot just stop with the good news. We have to do our part because God definitely did not look to us to say, yeah, now you're going to, because of your good works, you're saved. No, it's free. But yet in verse 8, it does not stop there. In verse 10, it says, For we are His, what? Workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. You and I, from the beginning of time, you and I were created in Christ to do good works. Yes, we're not qualified to go to heaven through good works. But now that you have received the good news from a good God, we are called to do good works. Do you see the difference? And you and I are called to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our new nature in Christ is that we're called 
to do good works. Our new walk in Christ is simply to have a lifestyle of generosity and kindness and compassion to people. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. It's still about Him. Even as Christians, if you want to do good work, it's still about Him working in us to will and to act in accordance to the good purpose that He has for us. I was reading yesterday, even in my personal devotion about how Jesus, when He ministered, yes, His ultimate goal is to reach people with the gospel, with the good news, so that ultimately they can be saved. But yet interspersed in the scripture is His compassion for the lost and for His compassion for the people. In Mark chapter 8, verse 1, it says, In those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, He called His disciples to Him and said to them, Did He tell them, Just go home and get your own lunch. Bring your own baon. No, He asked them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. It reveals the very heart of Christ. Yes, he's talking about the gospel. Yes, he's preaching the gospel. But how many of you know it's kind of hard to listen to the gospel with an empty stomach? And what he did was he wants to meet felt needs as he meets the eternal needs of people. And I believe God wants to use us for that. Matthew 25 says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And I was stranger, a stranger, and you welcomed me. And I was naked and you clothed me. And I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you nor naked and, and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. However you serve the poor, we're doing it for the Lord. We go beyond life, of course, and we want them to have eternal life. But we don't neglect even their personal need for this life because God calls us to be a blessing to others. Amen. Now somehow... As we were planning this preaching, one of our pastors quoted this, Give a man fish, and you give him food for the day. Teach him to fish, and you give him food for life. But give him also the gospel, and you offer him eternal life in Christ. This is really what people need. More than just food for their stomach, they need food for eternal life. I believe all of us are familiar with how poverty is in the Philippines. You know, as I, as I come back from a very rich nation of Qatar and then coming back here, looking at the poverty that we have, there's a big gap that's happening between the rich and the poor. And so this particular picture, you see a lot of development, a lot of economic progress and growth, but yet the gap between the rich and the poor are getting wider. In fact, according to some statistics, 82% live below 233 or with 233 pesos a day as their daily sustenance for cost of living. You know, as a church, it's so it's a privilege for us to be able to partner with other organizations like Operation Blessing, and we've done this. You know, uh, one of the doctors who's uh, like a, the managing director happens to be attending the fort, and she's one of our leaders in the church, and she 
she, she helps run this organization. Every time there's an opportunity, we as a church, we're doing our part in sharing the gospel, yes, but at the same time in sharing our resource to the people who are in need. We also have Habitat for Humanity, you know, that we're part of as a church. In our South Hub, we have community works happening in, in here in Alabang, in Santa Rosa, in, in, uh, in Muntinlupa, in, uh, in Las Piñas. We have feeding program. We minister to the elderly. We minister to the abandoned and unwed mothers, juvenile delinquent, cancer patients, children with disability. We have an orphanage that we're reaching out to. Uh, right now, as I speak, we're talking to one of the barangay captains in Muntinlupa, and we have a project for the barangay to be able to see a transformation in the barangay of, you know, of Muntinlupa. And you know, we, we also minister to some of the parolees who are, are out from jail. And so we're doing a lot of things. But I, my, I'm, what I'm asking is, what is it that you and I can do further so that we can be a blessing to our community? We're not just playing church. Church. Church is not just happening here on Sunday. Church, I believe, is what happens outside the four walls of this hotel. And that is what church is all about. In fact, our Every Nation vision is to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. Part of this work is Real Life Foundation. This is our very own foundation. We want to be able to help the poor, the marginalized, who could not afford an education. Right now, uh, as we speak, we have about 261 scholars nationwide. About 485 of them graduated from the time that we have established Real Life Foundation in 2007. Twelve of these current uh, scholars are from Alabang, and these are our scholars from our congregation here in Alabang. And two are actually about to graduate this year. Guess what? As cum laude in their classes. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. We want to be able to help them have a better you know, future for life. And as I end, I'd like to just show you a short video clip about one of our scholars from real life. Lumaki ako sa isang malaking pamilya. Yung tatay ko nagtatrabaho sa bilang construction worker. Tapos yung nanay ko, tinutulungan siya sa pang-araw-araw namin na pangailangan. Anim kami magkakapatid. Ako, pang lima sa mga magkakapatid. Naalala ko may moment na kailangan kong like maglakad ng 30 minutes para lang makapasok. Kahit walang baon, papasok ako kasi gusto kong makapag-aral na kailangan namin mag-share sa isang pack ng noodles para lang makaraos ng isang araw. Dahil anong kami magkakapatid, yung panganay kong ate, yung kuya ko, hanggang sa pang-apat na kapatid, hindi na sila nakatapos ng pag-aaral. Meron kaming mindset yung kapag ipinanganak kang mahirap, mabubuhay ka na rin mahirap, and then mamamatay kang mahirap. So, nung high school na, nung pumasok na ako ng high school, nakilala ko yung isa kong Filipino teacher. Yung Filipino teacher na yon hindi lang siya basta-basta nag, ah, nagtuturo tungkol about dun sa topic ng Filipino, 
kundi nagsashare din siya paminsan-minsan about the gospel. And she even invited us na mag-join ng Bible study niya or Bible group. So one time nag-join ako. Pero after noon, kinataguan ko na si Ma'am Lynn. Yung family namin, Catholic. Tapos yung kapatid ko naman, Iglesia ni Cristo. So para wag na akong makadagdag pa ng gulo dahil nga iba-iba na yung religion. Kaya sabi ko na lang kay Ma'am Lynn, dami ko na lang excuses na hindi ako pwede, assignment ako, makapag-excuse lang sa kanya. So, dumating yung point na parang nakulitan na ako, nakulitan na ako kay Ma'am Lynn kasi paulit-ulit na siya nag invite So, nag-give in na rin ako sa kanya finally. So, nag-join na ako ulit ng Bible study. Tapos, dumating sa, matend na rin ako ng Sunday service. Tapos, during one altar call, doon na nadulog yung puso ko na talagang miyak na ako na kailangan ko nang tagapin si Lord, si Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So, nung magka-college na ako, since alam ni Ma'am Lin yung situation ko sa family background ko, uh, tinulungan niya rin ako na makonect sa Real Life Foundation. Then, eventually, I got the approval na maging scholar nga. Then, nakapasok ako sa PUP. I graduated as Corporate Business Management. And right after the graduation, I got a job. I was able to pursue my career. And then, nakita ko kung gano'ng ka-faithful si God sa buhay ko. And hindi lang sa buhay ko, pati na rin sa family ko. Nakita ko na may hope. Kasi yung kapatid ko, I was able to help then yung kapatid ko na makapag-aral. And at the same time, makapagtapos din. Then eventually, years after, I've seen myself in Dubai, working in a bank. And then eventually, I started leading a group, my victory group there and with uh, young professionals. I'm Elena Perez, and I've seen God's faithfulness to me and my family. And I remember this life verse that I always clung on to. James 1, 2-4, and it says there, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so you would remain complete and mature, not lacking of anything. Praise God. We have a good God who gave the good news that we were made alive to do good works. Amen. You know, in your seats, you actually see a, like a bookmark. And just in case you want to be part of what God is doing in our own foundation, we have uh, some real-life talks that we would like to uh, invite you to. And so if you're interested in joining us in some of the things that you can do uh, as individuals, maybe as a family, uh, we're not, you know, in real life, we were not just here to provide scholarship for the, for the poor uh, children, but we're also here to disciple them and even their families. We've seen so many transformation in the families of our scholars. They're now part of the church, and they're also active members uh, of the community that God has given us to for them. And so um, go and, you know, just maybe later on, just submit this uh, in the back as we uh, end this service. And so just uh, last uh, scripture as we end and pray. John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, Jesus reminded, uh, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You're also to love one another. By this, all people, everybody say all people, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's all stand up right now as we end this service.
Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity for us to celebrate and thank you for the gracious gift of life that you have given to us. And it's all because God, rich in mercy and in his great love, has reached out to us, a dead people, and has given us good news and a new life now in Christ. Maybe some of us are here today and you have not received Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Just very quickly, if you want to receive Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I want you to lift up your hand right now so that I can pray for you. Anyone at all? If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, sir, God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? If you want to receive Him right now as your Lord and Savior, thank you, Lord. Yes, I see that hand, sir. If you're lifting up your hand, would you kindly pray this prayer? In fact, I want to invite everybody to pray this prayer out loud. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. And I confess that I am a sinner needing you as my Savior. Thank you for going to the cross and paying the price for the penalty of my sins. I confess that Jesus is my Lord and I believe that he is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for the new life that you have given me today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.